Good morning. Super grateful that you're here today. And I want to start somewhere, and I need someone kind of navigating outside as we do this, but I want to kind of ask this question just off the top of my head. Who here has experienced a miracle in their life or around their life? Raise your hand. Does anybody see outside? Can anybody see? Are they raising their hands? If you're online, raise your hand, put a hallelujah. There's literally 85, 90% of the people have raised their hands. They've experienced a miracle. Outside, let's hear it. I went out there and they're like, oh, welcome. Your friends are here from Idaho and now you come out after six months or a year. We're excited and today we're gonna talk about miracles. This is our summer topic. And I'm excited about it, and I hope you are, because I know you raised your hand, but I also know this, that if you raised your hand, you probably still need a miracle. And you probably need more miracles than you really can imagine. And that's what we're going to talk about this, uh, this summer series. So... I was at an event about seven years ago in the downtown, the heart of L.A. at the L.A. Coliseum. And I remember this moment like I'll, I'll never forget. I had this kind of feeling from God. And it wasn't like this audible verse, Luke, I'm your father kind of situation. But there was this moment where I'm in this stadium and we're worshiping God and miracles are happening all around. And here's what God kind of put on my heart. He goes, Jeff, I still heal people. I was talking to my friend Sue. And watching her life be ravished by cancer and then a clean bill of health. And the father says, I still heal. I'm still working and I'm still moving. And he said, never forget that, Jeff. And Jeff, please tell people. Tell people about how I am the God of miracles. And right now, my friend Crystal's in Cedar Sinai, and we need a miracle right now for her. So we believe in that, and that's why we open up our Bibles. We are coming up on 12 years of, of uh, being a part of this church, and I am super blessed to be one of the pastors here. But listen to this. We have received or seen more than 100, and I'm being very conservative. It's more like 250 miraculous things happen in this church. When you put your uh, stuff in the prayer group, you've got 40 people praying, and God does wonderful things. He's a God of miracles, and he wants to work in your life. So if you're not putting something in the prayer list, why? I'm putting stuff in because I have miracles that I need God to do. And so listen, this is a big part of today's message, and I hope you get that. God loves to do miracles, and we've seen so many things, healings, financial blessings. We've seen marriages come back together. We've seen kids healed. We've seen depression relieved. We've seen all kinds of things happen, and the church forgets because you know what happens? The enemy is crafty. And you know what the enemy does? The enemy tries to deaden the impact of a great miracle. Not just in your life. We see it all through the Bible. We're going to do this Bible story. But you see the Israelites one day. They're celebrating the Red Sea. And three weeks later, you brought us out to die. Where's the water? Because the enemy constantly has us forget about miracles. 
That's why this summer we're going to go and talk Old Testament and New about miracles that we see in the Bible. There are great miracles that happen. Our Bible is a book of historical records. It's a book that tells stories about miracles from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From Genesis with creation, no greater miracle, all the way to Revelation. We see miracles from the parting of the Red Sea. He didn't remove it. He parts it to get them on the other side. We see him feed 5,000. We see a 99-year-old woman want to have a baby. Why? I can barely do it at this age. We see uh, uh, him rain down manna from heaven and feed his people for 40 years. And you know what the greater miracle is? Because I'm a dad. Their clothes and their sandals didn't wear out. My kids, that stuff wears out every two weeks. And then we see a story about a whale. Jonah and the whale. That's a crazy but beautiful story. And there's no greater miracle than the resurrection. God resurrects people from the dead. Not only has he resurrected individuals, he sent his son to die and resurrect and show back up so that we can have eternal life. And so here's what we want to install. Jeremy put together this great memory verse. And by the end of the summer, I want this to be a part of your DNA. I want this to be part of your life. I want you to memorize this verse. It's Jeremiah 32, 27. And here's what it says. It says, I am the Lord, the God of all the people of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? And I want you to know that verse by the end of this summer. And I want you to believe it like you've never believed it before. Because I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know what's going on in my life. And I need God and I need to see him do things that I've never seen him do before. And that's the beautiful thing about miracles. Today I want to do a Father's Day story and celebrate Father's Day. I'm thankful that you're here and celebrating. Sometimes it's a good day, sometimes it's a hard day. Regardless, we believe in a father that's good all the time, no matter what kind of father you had. And so that's who we celebrate today. This Father Day story begins, and if you know the Torah, which most of us don't because we're not Jewish, but if you look at your Torah and you open it up, here's how it begins this story. It says, the year... 2488 from creation, 2,488 years from creation. You know what our Bible says? Numbers chapter 22. But the way the Jewish study is different, and today we're going to kind of go through this Jewish story. And in this story, in Numbers 22, there's two characters. They're both non-Jewish people, and one is named Balak, and the other one is named Balaam. And these two characters are really the ones that we're going to talk about, and then we got a surprise character in the middle of the story. Now, here's what's happened in Numbers 22. In the first 19 verses, I'm just going to paraphrase because of time. Here's what I challenge you to do. Go and read it. It'll take you about five minutes to read Numbers uh, 1 through 19, 22, 1 through 19. But I promise you, you'll get a lot out of it. But here's what's happened. Um, Balaam wants the prophet, uh, Balaam is a prophet and Balak needs him to come. And so the Israelites have been wandering for 40 years and now they're coming and resting in this place called the plains of Moab. And the Moabites live in this will, uh, the, the mountainous area and the city's kind of hidden. And the king Balak is afraid. 
And so what he wants to do is he wants to send for this prophet guy named Balaam and he wants to put a curse on all the Moabites that are in this plain, this valley. And so that's what he does. He goes out and he sends his messengers to go out and find this man, this prophet Balaam. He's actually, in the Jewish tradition, they call him a prophet or a sorcerer and they want him to come back. And so he sends these messengers with money and he wants to give them honor and riches to come and put a curse on the Israelites. That's his whole goal. So as these messengers come and they meet Balaam, Balaam says, well, listen, I can't really do anything unless the Lord wants me to do it. So spend the night and I'll seek God the night and I'll tell you what he says in the morning. Now in the morning, here's what happens. He goes, hey, God said no, so be gone. And so they leave. Now the king Balak comes back and he's like, what? And so he goes, get the most highest dignitaries we have in our country and give him more riches and they send him again. And so this is going through Numbers chapter 6, 7, or 22, verses 6 and 7. And so they send him over again. And now he comes, and now he's got the highest dignitaries. And he says the same thing. I can only do what the Lord says. Spend the night, and I'll let you know what he says in the morning. Well, that night he says, Lord, do you want me to go? And the Lord says this. Bro, if you want to go, just go. I added the bro part. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I hope that's okay. But that's basically what he says. And ultimately, here's the main point of what the 19 verses says. Balak wants to use words against the Israelites' words. And the Israelites' words are prayers to heaven. And so he wants to use words, a curse, to combat the prayers to heaven. And that brings me to the first point of today's story. We're going to learn a lot from this story. Number one is our strength in God comes from our prayer life. Our strength in God, it comes from our prayer life. The Israelites are praying. They've been wandering in the desert, and their prayers are now being answered after 40 years. They've just defeated the Amorites, and now they're heading into the Moabite region, and God is answering prayers. And you need to realize this, that God still answers prayers, and he wants to answer yours as well. And so here's how the story begins. Numbers chapter 22, uh, verse uh, 21 it says so the next morning Balaam got up as the Lord said if you want to go go he gets up and saddles his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials let's pray father we love you and we praise you and we ask that you do a work in us today Lord we ask that you cover all the fathers in Ventura County and Camarillo and California and beyond then we ask that you heal wounds and we ask that you do miraculous things and we ask for prodigal children to come back and Lord we just ask for you to do something so perfect for us that only you can do that and that's what miracles are. We ask that you use this story to teach us something today in Jesus' name amen, 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 amen. So this week I did something different. There's these things called midrashes, and they're basically Jewish commentary. I wanted to look at the story because maybe many of you know this story, so I wanted to give you how the Jewish rabbis would teach it. The Jewish teaching of this story says that Balaam, this prophet who saddled up his donkey, was excited to go because he wanted to curse the Israelites. That was his heart's desire. He wanted to curse the Israelites because he thought God relented and said, go if you want to go. But that's not really what happens. He didn't understand what God was doing. And that brings me to my second point today. Sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend what God is doing in our lives. We just don't see it. 
And I know that there's many in this room that just don't see it, but that doesn't mean that God is not working. If you're online, just realize God is doing something. We just don't always see what God is doing. Outside, God's doing the same. He loves you and he's working through you. Here's what verse 22 says. But God was angry that Balaam was going. He didn't want him to go. But he kept asking this question. You see Jeremy's son, Zeke. Zeke asked, uh, well, he had a guest. He had a guest last week. He asked their guest, Sam, 1,500 questions in his two-day span. And that was just on a, a Saturday morning. You know, that wasn't the full. Sometimes we ask a question. Listen, sometimes we ask God the same question over and over, and he said no. And a lot of times we don't like the word no. Who likes the word no? Yeah, nobody. If you're online, nobody's raising their hand. So you're no different. And here's what's happened. He's asked him and he's like, if you want to go, go. God's not going to force you into stuff. And, and so that's what's happening. So he sent an angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. So now there's this angel. As Balaam and the two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat him and turned him back onto the road. I think we have a picture of this. Today, this guy would be in, uh, the, the, in jail for beating this animal. And here's the thing. Balaam can't see what God's doing. Maybe you can't see what God's doing in your life, but that doesn't mean that he's not working. That doesn't mean he's transforming you. It doesn't mean that he's working boldly in your life. Verse 24, then the angel Lord stood at this place where the road would narrow between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So again, so Balaam beat the donkey again. The angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood at a place too narrow for the donkey to get by. This time, the donkey saw the angel and laid down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, he beat the animal again with his staff. Does anybody relate to this rage? Something's not happening. I can't find my car keys. I can't get my car started. I can't get the money to, to pay rent or to move into a new place. And all of a sudden, in a fit of rage, this man beats his donkey. Here's what you need to know. Disobedience, like this disobedient proffer, brings suffering. And that disobedience and that suffering usually is put on someone else or other things or other people. And that's what we see in this story. And that brings me to my third point. Disobedient people tend to hurt other people. When we are living in sin and walking away from God and not doing what he wants, we tend to hurt other people. Maliciously or not, we tend to hurt people. And that's what we see in this story. Three times the Lord has tried to get Balaam's attention in kind of a normal way because he doesn't see the angel. God is trying to do something in the natural even though he can't see the supernatural things that are happening. He's trying to get his attention. But just like you and me and you who are online, we just got to trust that God's got a plan. And sometimes he does things to kind of thwart what we're doing. The God of wonders does many things to get our attention. 
He wants us to hear him. He wants us to see him. He wants us to be obedient. And the Jewish teaching of this, if they were teaching this, it would talk about humiliation. Because at this point, if you go back to the story, here's what's happened. These dignitaries have come to grab this guy, Balaam, and bring him back to the king. So he's riding with all these dignitaries, and he's now humiliated because his donkey's acting like, I was going to say it, but I can't in church. A donkey was acting like a donkey. And he's like humiliated, which really means he's humble. The great theologian Charlie Sheen, <laughs> the great theologian Charlie Sheen says this uncertainty is a sign of humility. When you don't know, I love, I, I, I got, a, I, I got a, uh, a mechanic friend. He's like, I don't know, we'll see if we can figure it out. You know, there's sometimes we just think we need to say something like we do know. I'm a little bit weird when my doctor says, I don't know what's going to happen. But there's a sign of humility, right? So Charlie Sheen gives us this quote, the great theologian Charlie Sheen. He says, uncertainty is a sign of humility. Humility is just the ability or willingness to learn. And here, God is trying to teach something to Balaam, and he's trying to get his attention as he's trying to get your attention as well. And here's that point. This is a tough one. One of the ways God moves is to block or stop things in your life. Do you realize that? In my, in my family, and I'm sure maybe in some of you have heard this, well, Lord, open doors and close doors. Well, really, I don't want you to close doors. I just want you to open every door that I want to go into, but really the Lord closes doors. So here's what I want to do. If you're online, I want you to do this. If you're outside, I want you to do this. We're going to do this ministry moment just for a second. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask God these words. Where are you blocking or hindering or stopping something in my life? Some sin, something at work, something in a relationship, something in church. Just ask God and let me pray. Ask God, where are you blocking or stopping something in my life? Father, I ask that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, move right now for that person online and show them what you're doing to block them. Father, I pray for that person outside that needs to hear your voice today, that you speak to them and show them what you're stopping or blocking because there's something better. And I pray for the people in here, Lord, that you just reveal yourself right now so that we can experience that. In Jesus' name, amen. Then, this is my favorite part, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to, deserve, uh, to you that deserves you beating me three times, the donkey says. And that's our hero. Everybody see our hero. Give him a hand. The beauty of this story is the donkey is speaking because our God of the universe, our God of wonders, our God of miracles can easily fix the vocal cords so that anything can speak. Do you believe that? So that's the beauty of this story. We have this hero. And here's what God is telling someone today. If you're a skeptic, nothing is impossible for God. Humanly speaking, there's a lot of things that the world can't see, but nothing is impossible to God. And it comes back to our memory, memory verse, is anything hard for me, God? No. So here we see this donkey speaking. Our hero is an amazing hero. And here's what you need to know. The, the Jewish tradition teaches that the donkey, uh, God made the donkey speak so that Balaam knows who's in control. 
God is in control. And a lot of times, I don't know who you are, but I know in my life, I like to be in control because I'm a control freak and I want it my way, right? I love the song Frank Sinatra. But here's the thing, the donkey speaks to get the attention of everybody and to not just bring humiliation, but humbleness. God wanted Balaam to know that at some point, if you speak about the Israelites, I'm gonna let you speak whatever you're supposed to speak because I'm gonna tell you, this donkey will speak if you don't speak. And that's what he's trying to do because God is in control and nothing is too hard for him. Verse 29, he says, you've made me look like a fool. Balaam says, if I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But, but then here's it says, but I am the same donkey you have always ridden your whole life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this? And instantly Balaam has this moment, his heart drops and he says, no, because this humiliation has now led to humility because he realizes, oh my gosh, you're right. Every time I've ridden you, you've never done this. And now something's wrong. And I should have paid attention to what God is doing. The Jewish tradition tells us that Balaam got his powers from the donkey. The donkey was actually the one that had all this perception and power. The donkey was more spiritually connected than the prophet was. This has been his donkey his whole life and he's using this and now the donkey is acting up because he has this connection. The donkey is a perfect picture of a simple, unspectacular, yet obedient follower of God. Can anybody relate to that donkey? We should be able to. The donkey is sensitive to God's direction. Are you sensitive to God's direction? The donkey is the thorn in the side of the disobedient and yet the donkey then takes the wrath of the angered man. You know what? When we believe in God, when we do the work for God and we live out and we call ourselves a Christian, you know what happens? We tend to suffer a lot. The world kind of brings the suffering upon us. And all the unrighteous seem to be profiting and we end up kind of getting beat down by the wrath of this world. But that doesn't mean that's not what God is doing. God is doing something special in your life, in my life. Verse 31, it says, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand, and Balaam bowed his head and, fa and fell face down on the ground. This is the moment that God reveals, going, Look, I'm going to show you something just so you know what I'm doing in your life. And it reminds me of this proverb that you've probably heard many times. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. This man is prideful. Get up, you donkey, and you're making me look like a fool in front of these dignitaries. And now he's trying to draw them in and say, listen, you're disgracing yourself. But here's the best part. But with humility comes wisdom. And now this man in humiliation is realizing, okay, God's doing something. And I just need to submit and be obedient. There's this, this moment. So all the Israelites know this story about the donkey speaking, and it's a very well-told uh, story in the Torah and throughout the Jewish religion. And here's what Peter knows, because Peter was a very uh, uh, a good Jew man, and he says this in his writings in 2 Peter chapter 2. He's talking about you and I wandering in our own direction away from the Lord. And here's what he says. He says, they have wandered off the right road and have followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, 
who loved to earn the money by doing wrong, but Lalam was stopped by his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. How many times should we be rebuked by a donkey in our life? Most of us, several times during the week. And the donkey is speaking right now. Verse 32, why did you beat the donkey those three times, the angel Lord demanded? Look, I have come to block you because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Sometimes we don't realize what God is doing. Then verse 34, then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if, if, if you are against my going. And now he realizes, maybe your no meant no. And that brings me to the fifth point, maybe the most important point. The fifth point was, admit your sin, admit your wrong, admit your disobedience, and repent. It's like, I'm going this direction. All repent does is says, turn 180 and walk a different direction. Admit you're wrong and repent. If God revealed something in that moment of ministry, admit you're wrong and repent and ask God to guide you away from that so that you don't have to live in disobedience and hurt other people. Verse 35, but the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but only say what I tell you to say, so Balaam went back on with the officials. Now this story goes from number chapter 22, 23, and 24. There's three chapters. I challenge you to read them this week. You'll really get a lot out of the story. Because of time, I'm just paraphrasing, and here's what happens. At the end of this chapter, Balaam goes to Balak and says, I have no power to say whatever I want. I'm just, I can only say what the Lord says. He's like, some donkey was talking to me back there. And then in the next chapter, here's what he says. He says, build seven altars, and I'm going to pray and see what God wants me to do. In the middle of this, he gets this revelation. He gets this prophetic word, and he starts kind of giving this, this poem. And here's part of the poem, and here's what he's saying. He's just kind of explaining what happens. He says, Numbers chapter 23, verse 7 and 8. Come, he said, and curse Jacob. Come and denounce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God does, has not cursed? And how can I condemn those whom God has not condemned? And right after that, he gives a blessing. And Balak goes crazy. How can you bless them? I wanted to curse them. And he's like, because God wanted to bless them and not curse his people. And from then on, and the story goes on for another chapter. But really, the blessing happens. And so here's what I want to challenge you today. Why do you think this story's in the Bible? Is it just because it's a cute little story to tell in Sunday school? Or is it worthy enough for adults on Sunday? And then if you ask that, if yourself that question, then ask yourself, what is he really speaking to me about? What is God speaking to you about? As we are walking through this summer series of miracles, what does God need to do in your life this summer? What does he need to do to shape you and mold you? To those that are online, we're so grateful that you're watching. What does he need to do to make you more kingdom-focused, more godly in your life? How do we change that perspective? That's the question. And the truth is, only God can answer it. I can. This story in the Bible is for a reason because it teaches us many things about our walk with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it begins 
with this humble moment, realizing that sometimes I'm going ahead of God or I'm, I'm walking outside of God's path or his plan and God needs to humble me to bring me back. And sometimes that means humiliation to lead you to humility so that you can then be wise. And ultimately, all he wants to do is do that so that you can be a vessel for his kingdom. That's all he wants, for you to be a vessel and do the great work that God has called you to do. So I know I didn't put the points up at the beginning. Let me put you the five points that I talked about, and then we'll bring this Father's Day to a close. Here's, here's the first one. Number one, our strength comes in, uh, comes in God through prayer life. Our, our prayer life is critical. If you're not praying and you're not asking God, how can he work in your life? Even though he knows, he wants to hear it, just like as a parent wants to hear your child ask correctly, please and thank you. Right? It's the same thing with God. If you're not praying and if you're not putting something in, your, in the prayer card, how can you really expect God to work if you're not willing to make that a part of your life? The second thing is sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend all that God is doing. I want you guys to realize God is doing something in your life right now. That person online that's crying right now, it's got that ugly cry. You guys know the one. God's doing something. Don't quit before the miracle happens. And for those that are outside, just realize that God has a plan and purpose for all of us, and he is doing a good work. Number three, disobedient uh, people tend to hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. And so the idea here is to grow and to heal and to quit hurting yourself so that you don't hurt other people. And a lot of times we don't do it intentionally. We do it unintentionally. But hurt people hurt others. And, and it's something that we've got to stop. We've got to stop the madness in our life. Number four was that moment of ministry. One of the ways God moves is to block or stop things. Because, listen, if you're like me, I do whatever I want until he put me in jail and says, if you don't stop, I'm going to keep you here. And so I finally came to this humiliated place of maybe I need to listen and stop. And that's when God started to work. He's blocking you for a reason. And finally, if you've realized something in your spirit today, just admit your sin. Admit your disobedience. Admit that you've gone your own direction. And repent and walk a different direction. A humble Christian is a wise Christian. And I'm actually really getting frustrated with the term Christianity or I'm a Christian because truly, am I literally a little image of Christ? Not really. Do I really look like Christ at all? You should see what I feel like about myself in the morning and I go, man, I got a lot of work I need to do. Really, I'm a child of God. But a humble Christian, a little image of Christ, is a wise Christian. A humble Christian is always trusting in an all-powerful God. I don't know what you're here today for, but know this, that there's an all-powerful God that wants to do something in your life, something that you can't possibly do because you don't have the ability to do it. But God does. A humble Christian is looking for many ways for God to speak. And God is speaking right now. And it's not me. It's something in your heart. And to those online, he's speaking boldly and yelling and screaming. And for those outside, he's nudging you and leading you into that place. A humble Christian is teachable. Are you teachable? 
Are you teachable? What happens is there's this saying in the world that says, old dogs can't learn new tricks. That's a lie. Don't matter how old you are, you can learn. And you can be teachable. And I know that God can teach you. The problem is most of us won't let him. Are you teachable? And here's the last one. A humble Christian is an obedient Christian. You know what my job is? My job as a pastor is to lead you into an obedient life with Christ. And it's to encourage you. It's to love on you. It's to sometimes help you into humiliated places to get you back on that right path. It's called soul care. It's to care for your soul enough so that you will start to care for yourself and learn to be obedient to Christ and Christ alone, not to me. And that's what God is teaching us. A, a, a humble Christian is an obedient Christian and an obedient Christian lives for the glory of God and then everybody around him sees that Christian heart. And they say, man, what, what's going on in your life? And it's like, I'm just being obedient to God. And my job is to love and love you. Loving kindness leads to repentance and to care for you. Even when you don't love yourself, we love you until you learn to love yourself. For me to be speaking up here is a miracle. It's a miracle. I'm dyslexic. I'm a drug addict. The state of California would call me a derelict, delinquent, and I'm just a dumb donkey. God still uses me. I don't know why, but he does. And if you're here right now, we've been building up all week for this moment so that God can speak to you. There's no words that I can say that God can't say right now in your heart. So listen, hear, and ask God to reveal. If you're like me, I say this prayer all the time. Lord, I'm really dumb, so show me so I know that you're really doing something. So if you're online, I've got donkey ears on. I'm too embarrassed to put the snout on because it doesn't look good with my mustache. <laughs> looks kind of ridiculous. Not that this looks any better, but these are donkey ears. So here's the takeaway. Let me get, I can't do this anymore. Uh, delete those pictures, please. Here's the takeaway. Miracles still happen. Last week, Noah was here, and Noah preached an awesome message about beautiful feet. But listen, I sat with Noah twice for a couple hours each time, and we were talking, and Noah was sharing in our staff meeting about God doing miraculous things with like six or seven people on a Tuesday night in his house. A woman called him one night about three or four months ago and says, I'm dying, no, I just wanted to say goodbye. And he's like, okay. And so the next morning he called to see what he could do with the funeral. And she answers, she goes, I've been healed because the church prayed. 
He kept reeling off miracles and miracles that have been happening in this small group of people that are gathering. Miracles are still happening. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is God is still speaking. He's using a guy like me and God is using people in your life like a donkey to speak to you specifically. He is still speaking and still giving you the opportunity. And ask God, give me the ears to hear. Holy Spirit, just say, Holy Spirit, give me the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you're doing. And I promise you, he will reveal something. And finally, as I said before, we are called to be obedient. This story talks about an obedient donkey that gets vocal cords so that he can speak so that people around him can be obedient to God. So who needs a movement of God in their life right now? Outside, let's hear it. If you're online, I hope you got two hands up. If you need a movement of God, put something in the chat room. Let us know that you need prayer. Put something online today and let's celebrate Christ today. When I humble myself, Here's my antidote. When I humble myself and I ask God to speak, that's when I hear God the best. And when God speaks, every time God speaks in the Bible, guess what happens? Miraculous things happen and he can do it in your life today. Let's close with our memory verse. Jeremiah says this, I am the Lord, the God of all people of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, right now, I pray for that miracle, for that person online. There's a financial thing that they're struggling with, and I know you're blocking it for a reason. Give them a solution. Lord, I pray for that person outside right now that you're working through this struggle, this place of unforgiveness. And Holy Spirit, let your power reign in this place right now. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're online or in here or outside and you don't have a heart for Christ yet, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, it says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, I can be saved. And so I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know Christ, all you have to do is repeat this simple prayer. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me and you rose three days later so that I can be with you in eternity. Holy Spirit, take over my life, my mind, my body, and my soul, and teach me how to be obedient with you all the days of my life. We love you, King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.